Hey everybody and welcome to this episode of the Alec Delo MMA show where we are going to be breaking down the main card from UFC 267 which is going to be headlined by Glover Teixeira and Jan Blachowicz for the UFC 205 light heavyweight championship. Uh, the co-headliner is a fight that I might be even more excited for than the main event. I think that the bout between Corey Sanhagen and Piotr Jan for the interim bantamweight title is the best matchup on the fucking card. Two high-level guys. You're going to see some world-class fucking uh, mixed martial arts on Saturday. I guess it'll be afternoon when it airs, right? Because it's in Abu Dhabi. But great matchup. I understand why Jan Blahowitz and Glover are headlining. I mean, 205 has been kind of like the UFC's marquee division, at least along. I think it's kind of shifted to 155 recently with Habib and everything, right? And Connor, blah, blah, blah. But for a long time... 205 was like the marquee division and then of course the greatest greatest champion ever reigned over the 205 pound division in john jones right so it makes it makes sense that this is getting the headlining spot and Jan has fought israel adesanya now right so he's got a name behind him so it makes sense but personally in terms of matchup and style wise i'm more excited for sandhagen versus Jan. i think it's a more exciting fight anyway uh we're gonna break down the whole card though and we're, we'll start at the bottom with the first bout which is a light heavyweight matchup between Magomed Ankalaev and Volkan Ozdemir. Now, Magomed Ankalaev, guys, is a guy who, man, he, he's super technical. And he's super powerful as well. But he's very patient, 29 years old. And he's one of those guys who is just, he does everything right. It's very rare to see somebody as technically sound as he is at 205 pounds, in my opinion. Especially on the feet. Even with somebody like Yuri Prohoshka, who is very technical and is he, he does a lot of in and out explosive movement and stuff like that, he doesn't stay as fundamentally sound as a guy like Ankalaev. And I think that's what gives so many guys problems with him. And the only stain on his record is a loss to Paul Craig where he literally tapped out in the final second of the last round. If he would have held on for a second longer, literally one second longer, he would have won that fight. Um, so he's very good. He's very competent everywhere. He's a very good striker, but he's also good in the grappling department. I mean, Paul Craig has a very strong submission game, right? And you get caught off guard with shit sometimes, man. It's the UFC. It's high level. He was making his debut in that fight, his UFC debut. So, I mean, fuck, man. It's a tough one. But since then, he's rattled off six wins in a row over Marching Procneo, Clidson Abreu, Dalcha Lungi Ambula, that was a nasty front kick that he hit him with, uh, that he knocked him out. I'm struggling with the pronunciation of his name. But then also two wins over Yanku Taleba. You guys remember the first one where Yanku Taleba kind of played possum a little bit and then uh, the ref called the fight. But then in the second one, Megaman and Kalev went out and took care of fucking business, man. Knocked him out cold. And again, you just got to see like when guys overcommit with big power against him, it you start making mistakes and he has the power to fucking turn your lights off as well. So he stays technically sound and he's patient, but he's also, when he does unleash that power, you can tell that he's got a lot of oomph behind the punches and kicks that he throws, right? After knocking out Jan Kutalaba, he goes and picks up a win over Nikita Krilov via unanimous decision, right? So he's on an impressive tear right now. He's going up against a guy though in Vulcan Ozdemir who can literally shut your lights off at any given second, right? Now, he's a like Uzdemir's a guy too who actually he's he does a lot of things well. Like his boxing, he does pretty well. He's actually pretty good in clinch exchanges, right? Um, I think you see him struggle a little bit with the with. I think you're gonna see him struggle with a guy 
that he can't get inside on very well. Like, I think that you saw him land a lot of shots against Yuri. Like, he had Yuri Prohoshka rocked a couple times in their fight, right? But I think you see stuff like that mainly because Yuri Prohoshka is a guy who takes a lot of chances. I think that Magomed Ankalaev is a guy who is going to stay. He might get clipped with some things by Volkan Ozmir. Like, Volkan Ozmir can box, man. He's a very well-rounded martial artist. I don't want to sell him short. But I just think that when these two are exchanging on the feet, you're going to see that Ankalaev is much more technical. I think he'll get the cleaner of nearly all of their exchanges. And I think that because he doesn't fight with as wild of a style as a guy like Yuri Prohoshka, I think you're going to see that Volkan Ozdemir is going to have a very, very difficult time finding his range and getting a bead on the distance and the timing and everything against Ankalaev. Because I think Ankalaev just stays so fucking fundamentally sound defensively, right? That I think it's going to be very hard for a guy like Ozdemir, who kind of relies on this this power that he has a little bit. Like I said, he can box. The guy can fucking fight, man. I mean, he's been in close-ass fights and stuff. I'm not. I just think that when they get into these exchanges on the feet, it's going to be a tall task for him to overcome the technical prowess of Ankalaev. And if he could land more consistently here, if I thought he had a chance to land often, I would be more keen to pick Uzdemir in a matchup like this. But like I said, Ankalaev is the guy who just doesn't give you things. Like he just doesn't let you crack and like land on him, right? Like he's not going to get into a war with you. He's going to hang back. He's going to be patient. He's going to be a little bit lighter on his feet. I think the Uzdemir, I think you're going to see Volk and Uzdemir is kind of more flat-footed, more stationary. Whereas Ankalaev is going to be moving around a lot more often. He's going to be content to fight off the back foot more often than Volk and Uzdemir is. And I think that the cardio and everything, it's just going to, it's going to slowly start to happen, right? I don't think this is a fight where Ankalaev goes out and fucking just blitzes Volkan Ozdemir and knocks him out. I mean, sometimes shit happens. Sometimes get into, they just get into wars, right? Like, the fights take on a nature of their own. But I really think that Ankalaev goes out there, frustrates Ozdemir over the course of the fight, and walks away with a decision victory or maybe a late knockout in, like, the late second or, like, mid-third round. I really think that it's, he's just going to take his time. He's going to be patient. And as Volkan Ozdemir gets more and more frustrated, he's going to start overextending with bigger and bigger shots. And Kalaev's going to slide out of the way of things and then really start tagging Volkan Ozdemir with significant shots that will start to hurt him as the fight progresses. I think early on, Ozdemir is going to try. He's gonna, I think Ozdemir does well early because he'll stay patient. He won't play into the game. But as the footwork and everything starts to catch up and these problems start to compound for Volkan Ozdemir. I think the longer the fight goes, the deeper the hole that he gets into and the more he'll, he'll take bigger chances to try to get out of that hole, right? High risk, high reward. He'll take bigger chances to try to dig himself out of that hole and it will end up costing him, right? Because I, I think that it'll, I think your best chance to land are like real big shots that are going to turn the course of a fight are like early on, honestly. I shouldn't even say turn the, like, just your best shot to land, your best, the best time to land is early. As you start to get more and more frustrated, you're trying to land big power shots while you're fatigued and frustrated. So the technique is lacking and your opponent ends up capitalizing on it, right? So I really think Ankalaev takes his time in this one. I think Uzdemir gets frustrated. I think he overextends with stuff. And if he, he's, I, I kind of see it going one of two ways. I see him getting frustrated and overextending with things, or I see him getting confused and not throwing enough, right? You kind of, 
I think it's going to be one of those two scenarios where then if he's not throwing enough, you'll start to see Ankalaev start applying the pressure onto Uzdemir, right? I think the more likely scenario is that Uzdemir gets frustrated because he's going to want to land the shot that knocks him out. Um, and he's going to want to box him. And I think that Uzdemir is the guy who likes to fight and he's going to want to get into this fight. And I think he's going to get frustrated and drawn into these big exchanges where Ankalaev finds the opening. But sometimes when guys get confused with the footwork or they're getting confused with the attack. And I also think Ankalaev has a little more variety in his attack. Um, when they start to get confused with those things, you kind of see them go into a shell where they don't throw enough volume. And sometimes guys don't capitalize on that. Like they're not realizing how confused the person is. But I think Ankalaev is the kind of guy who will recognize that. And if he notices that Uzdemir is slowing down, he's going to start pouring pressure on him and he might be able to get the finish that way too. I think the more likely scenario is that Uzdemir gets frustrated, but we'll see. I could see it going either way. And Uzdemir could win, man. I don't know. Like I said, he's a very talented fighter. I just think from a technical perspective, Ankalaev is a little bit too good. Um. All right, let's move on to the next bout, which is a welterweight matchup between uh, the Leech, uh, Li Jingliang, and Hamzat Kamaev. And Hamzat Kamaev is a fucking murderer. I mean, if you guys have seen any of his three UFC fights so far, right? First one, he goes out and uh, mauls John Phillips, right? Like, just takes him down. And when he takes guys down, I mean, the guy is a Swedish, like, national champion freestyle wrestler, right? So... When guys get in there against him, they typically, and it's almost a Habib type of effect, right? They haven't fucking felt anything like that yet. And he's relentless in terms of raining down ground and pound. So it's not just like he's wrestling you for the purpose of controlling you. He's hunting for submissions. He's got a really slick dart choke that he hits a lot of the time. And he's, he's hitting you with ground and pound. And he's doing it in such a way that he's exposed. He, he's not lazy on the ground. And I... I shouldn't say lazy. He's very active about advancing his guard in his position, right? And he does so. You guys have to realize too that like when you're watching fights, when you are punching someone, this is why like you hear guys like Bisbing and everybody, when they get people on the ground, you have got to start writing down blows because punches and strikes from the ground, if you're on top, are a method of guard passing. You get people to make all kinds of fucking mistakes when you start hitting them with ground and pound. They start opening their legs up. They start turning away from you. They start showing their back sometimes. I mean, you can force a lot of errors by using your strikes on the ground, right? And Kamayev is an expert at doing that. The problem is, is that he's going up against a guy in the leech who is very fucking dangerous. The most dangerous guy that Hamzat's gone against so far, no doubt. I mean, the leech can turn your lights off like that. And if you guys think that Hamza Yamayev is immune to that, I would say that you're probably wrong. I would say that the leech has the type of game-changing power where if he does connect and he does land clean, he can fucking rock anybody in, in that division. I really believe that. He has serious power in his hands. And if you guys watch the fight against Santiago Ponzinibbio, always throwing feints and making it dangerous for guys to enter in, right? And you could tell that Santiago Ponzinibbio, that hand movement and everything and all the feints that he was showing was making him very hesitant. And when he finally did decide to commit to something, he left openings and made a mistake and the leech capitalized on it. The problem in this fight for the leech, it's not that he's not dangerous. It's that I don't think Hamzat is going to respect that shit the same way that... Santiago Ponzinibbio did. And I think that he's going to be a much, he's, 
it's so much more threatening when guys can wrestle, right? Because when you're fighting a guy like Santiago Ponzinibbio, primarily you know it's going to be probably a kickboxing match, you're a little bit more free to do that stuff with your hands and keep your hands high. But when you're fighting a guy like Kamaev, it forces your hands to drop just a little bit because you have to prepare for the takedown. And I just don't think that all that fucking hand shit that the leech was doing is going to work. And I don't think that the leech is on the level that he needs to be wrestling-wise and grappling-wise to hang around with Kamaev. I think this is one of those fights where you're going to get to see, like, the leech is very good, right? But I think this is one of these fights where you're going to get to see, oh, this is really why this guy is a title hopeful. I mean, it, it, like I said, you get guys all the time who come into the UFC who have these wrestling credentials or these grappling credentials, right? But not all of them know how to apply it and put it all together and make it work in MMA. Hamzat Kamayev does. He knows how to do that. I think he goes in. I think that the leech does have dangerous hands. So I think you'll see Hamzat trade with him. But I think ultimately the goal for Kamayev is going to be to get this fight to the ground. You don't want to sit there and bang with a guy who does have legitimate knockout power. You want to take the path of least resistance. And I think that when they get into the wrestling and grappling exchanges, it's going to be very one-sided. Uh, for that reason, I'm taking Kamayev. I think he's going to get him out of there in the second or third round. And... Uh, you know, I, I just think that, like I said, he's not going to respect the power of Jing Liang, and I don't think there will be a lot of opportunities for Li Jing Liang to land because Kamaya's is going to come out and pressure him so hard right away that he won't really have time to set anything up and find a range or a rhythm, right? I think Kamaya crowds off all the space, hits him with some shots, gets in on a takedown entry almost right away, and then just starts going to work from there, and I think it'll be very hard for the leech to get back to his feet once he's taken to the ground, so... For all of those reasons, primarily the wrestling, I've got Hamzat Kamaev. I think he's going to go in there and he's going to put on a dominant showing. And like I said, just kind of show why people are so fucking excited about this guy. All right, next fight, we got a heavyweight matchup between Alexander Volkov and Marcin Tybora. Alexander Volkov, guys, is he, he won the light heavy, or I'm sorry, he won the heavyweight championship in Bellator, right? So he fights for this promotion, M1, over in Russia. Fights for them for an extended period of time. Signs with Bellator, wins the title over there. I believe I forget who he got knocked out by. He lost the title, I think, and then I think he got knocked out by Czech Congo. Signs with M1 again, wins the title there. So he's now held a heavyweight championship in two different organizations, right? M1 and Bellator. And after he wins that, he signs with the UFC. And since signing with the UFC, he's got quite a successful resume under him. And, and you know, Marcin Tybora is... I just think that Marcin Tybor is very good, right? Like you saw him beat Greg Hardy and you got to see like once he utilized the wrestling and stuff against Hardy, it was really one-sided. But when he was on the feet against Greg Hardy, right, he had some issues. The problem though is that I don't think that Marcin Tybora is going to be able to implement the wrestling the way that he's going to need to against Alexander Volkov to beat him. If you look at the fight between Curtis Blades and Alexander Volkov, Curtis Blades won that fight, but Volkov did not make it easy on him. And I've never seen Curtis Blades look so tired after a fight. Volkov is a big dude with long limbs who is going to be hard to keep down. And Marcin Tybora is a little bit shorter, and I think he's going to have a hard time getting inside on Volkov because for the most part, Volkov stays pretty responsible. You saw him slip up late against Derek Lewis and get knocked out in a fight that he was winning, but... For the most part, 
he stays pretty responsible, right, in terms of how his striking and his approach. And he keeps got he uses his length well. A lot of guys who are long don't know how to use their length and they get out of position and stuff. But not Volkov. He's very in control of his body for a big guy. And Marcin Tybora is one of those guys, man, who he's a good boxer, but it takes him a little bit to get warmed up. And he has to kind of start getting in a rhythm with his hands and everything. And then you start to see him use some good head movement and stuff. The problem is, is that I think it's going to take him. I kind of see it playing out like in the first round, he's going to really struggle with the distance and stuff, right? It's going to take him a while to get warmed up. And I think you're going to see Volkov just kind of hang out on the end, pick him apart, maybe stave off like or fend off a few takedown attempts. And then in the second round, you're going to see Tybora start to open up a little bit more. Maybe find some success if he can start working the body. I think a lot of leg kicks would be would be wise as well. But I think in the second round, he's going to realize, though, that despite all of these efforts, he's still at a striking disadvantage, right? So I think that he's going to start hunting for takedowns. And Volkov's going to be able to defend those takedowns with, I don't, I shouldn't say ease, but I think relative ease. I think he'll be able to defend them. And kind of like what we were talking about earlier, I just think that Tybora is going to get into a hole that he can't really dig himself out of, you know, where it's going to come down to him having to finish the fight. And that's going to be very hard to do against a guy who's up two rounds on you. Listen to how fucking specific I'm getting about this fight. Could go a completely opposite direction, like giving round by round breakdowns and shit with as if I fucking know. But I do think that early on Tybora struggles to find the range and then he's going to try to implement the boxing a little bit. But the boxing's not going to be effective, so his takedown setups won't be effective. In order to land good takedowns, you really have to be a good boxer at a high level in the UFC. Like You really got to be able to string stuff together and hide your takedowns. Um, I think that Tybora won't, he won't find enough success in the boxing department for his takedowns um, to have any real complexity to them. So I think that they'll be kind of naked, and I think Volkov picks up on that. And uh, I think this fight goes the distance. But I think Alexander Volkov wins a – I think he wins a decision in this one, man. I think the path to victory for Tybora is he has to come out aggressive. If he wants to win this fight, I think he has to come out. You can't be waiting. You can't get in a rhythm in the second round against Volkov because he'll already have a bead on you. And he's long, like I said, and he uses it well. So the last thing you want is to try – you don't want to be trying to find your way inside in the second round. You really want to kind of start off hot before he gets a sense of what his range is get into the pocket, bust him up with some shots, and now you've kind of established that you, you know what I mean? Take advantage of the fact that you need to get in close because he's going to have to find where you are in the space and everything. You got to lunge in with some big shots and I think take some risks early on to hit him and make him respect you, right? And make him like a little bit more wary of throwing and stuff and maybe look to counter a little bit. But this is, I think it's a tough task for Tybora. It's doable, but I really think that Tybora, in order to win, the most important thing is that he has to have a strong first round. I think if he gets down early against Volkov and has a slow start, which he has a tendency to do sometimes, it's going to be trouble. All right. Next bout is between Islam Makachev and Dan Hooker, 155 pounds. And this is a fight that you guys have got to be pumped up for. I mean, Dan Hooker is just a fucking gangster, too, accepting this fight against a guy that nobody at 155 pounds wants to fight, right? So... Dan Hooker takes a short notice fight against uh, Nazrat Hakparast, beats up on him, picks up a decision win, and then he's stepping in to fight Islam Makachev on this fucking, I guess it's not a pay-per-view, right? It's a numbered card, though. And uh, Islam Makachev, man, one of the scariest guys in the division without a doubt. I think that he has, when you look at his striking and what he's able to do, I think that he he is 
more advanced and way more smooth on the feet than Habib ever was. But I don't think that the level of control is there in the grappling. It's when he grabs, it's hard to fucking say that, right? Because when you look at what he does to guys, when he gets them down, he really does dominate them, right? But I just think that there's like something about the way Habib progresses through things and it's his understanding of positions and everything. I think Habib just has a better sense of control on the ground. He leaves less space and um, sets traps a little bit better. I just think his grappling is a little more advanced. But I think Islam Makachev is a little bit better on the feet. So he's able to hang with guys a little bit better in that department. And he's able to offer up offense, which really ends up complimenting his wrestling, which is this, we were just talking in the previous fight about how I think Marcin Tibora will have trouble landing so his takedowns won't be as successful. Islam Makachev is a guy who's very talented at striking as well, and he can throw, he has good kicks and everything like that. Like, he can get a high kick up there and it doesn't look awkward the way Habib threw it. You know what I mean? So Islam can do those kind of things that make the takedown entries more available for him because guys have to worry about this other element of his game. I think that's what makes Islam so scary. I think that if Islam just strictly had like the current grappling skill set that he has now, he would be a problem for most people in that division. But it's the fact that his striking is pretty sound as well. It's It's not the strongest part of his game. The grappling is where he wants to be. But it's good enough that I think against a guy like Dan Hooker, he's going to be able to stand with him, right? I'm not saying he's going to win all of those striking exchanges, but he's going to be able to offer up offense. The thing for Dan Hooker is going to have to be, in my opinion, he's got to, and this is how Dan Hooker fights too. This is what makes this matchup interesting. I know that Islam Makachev is a big favorite. And in my opinion, I'll tell you right now, guys, I'm picking Islam Makachev. I think he probably wins the fight. I think that when you can fucking wrestle and strike, it's a bad combo. And I think he's a way better wrestler than Dan Hooker is, right? So, I'm picking Islam Makachev to win this fight. The way the, the reason that it's interesting though, and Dan Hooker, the reason that he could win, and he really this is a fight. He really could win. Like there's a there's a possibility that Dan Hooker wins this fight. More than a possibility, I would say. Like he could do this. Like Dan Hooker has to fight with relentless pressure, and he has to keep Islam Makachev on the back foot, and he has to constantly be using volume. One of the things that makes me really nervous though is that one of the best weapons for Dan Hooker is the knee that he throws. And if he's going to be closing the space like that, when you throw knees, you elevate a leg. And Islam Makachev is going to jump all over that shit, right? It's not going to be like he was landing them successfully against Dustin Poirier, which is another high-level guy that Dan Hooker fought. And by the way, was busting him up early in the fight. Like Dan Hooker has some fucking high-level striking, guys. The problem is going to be is how do you apply this pressure against Islam Makachev that you're going to need to keep him on the back foot without establishing a connection to him, right? There are going to be moments in a fight, no matter what, where you're going to have to, fr- he's going to get his arms around you. You're going to have to frame off him and defend things. That's part of fucking fighting, but you can't overcommit to something that's going to allow him to grab one of your legs and isolate it or elevate you in any way or get his hands locked around your body. That's going to be the challenge for Dan Hooker. I think that Dan Hooker's fighting style actually lends itself pretty well up until the space closes too much. Like, I think Dan Hooker is going to have to stay in the face of Islam Makachev, and he's going to have to do so without subjecting himself to the possibility for a takedown, right? And I think that's going to be very difficult. I do think that Dan Hooker is levels above Islam Makachev on the feet in terms of 
understanding footwork and positioning and when to throw strikes and how to set traps, all that stuff. I just think that the wrestling is going to make the biggest difference. And I think Islam is going to be competent enough to hang out on the feet long enough to set his takedown attempts up, right? But like I said, for Dan Hooker, you have to keep him on the back foot. You have to keep hitting him with shots. You have to keep throwing volume. And you have to make it so that his take his takedowns are readable. You're able to get a read on what he's doing, right? If he's able to mix up his strikes and stuff and you're letting him do that to you, you're going to be fucked because he's going to be able to do whatever he wants. So you have to keep him on the back foot up against the cage, strikes in his face, using your jab a lot, using leg kicks and stuff like that, safe leg kicks, and not overcommitting to anything big that's going to squeeze, like close the distance off enough where he can grab you, right? So it might mean avoiding some of those like jumping type knees that Hooker likes to throw. The problem with that shit is though, is like, that's what he's good at. So is he going to fall into that tendency during the fight? I kind of think so. And I kind of think the way this fight plays out is that you see Dan Hooker have moments of success where it just kind of ends in the takedown and the crowd goes, ah, you know, like it felt like he was going to do it. And then, ah, there's just this one thing. And when it gets there, he, can't, he has trouble getting back up, etc. So I've got Islam Makachev winning this fight by decision. I think Dan Hooker's going to make it tough on him, but I just think that ultimately the wrestling again is going to be the difference maker in this one. All right, next, the interim title bout. At 135 pounds between Piotr Jan and Corey Sandhagen. This is the fight by far that I'm most excited for on the whole fucking card. Fucking ESPN. If I, I don't know why, but if I leave it up too long, if I leave a page up too long, it'll just start playing shit in the fucking background. Ads and all these like video clips and shit. Sorry if you guys heard that. Anyway, Piotr Jan versus Corey Sandhagen. Great matchup. Corey Sandhagen is um, a guy who... Okay, so I have an... A, a, I didn't interact with them at all, but I was, it was like one of my first days at Easton training center, which is where I do jujitsu. I'm a hobbyist. I'm not like a fucking world beater. Right. But I was in the gym one day and I remember walking out of like the changing rooms and coming around the corner and just seeing these guys like train on the end of the mat. And I remember thinking like I was watching just the one guy's movement and I was like, damn, that motherfucker is like slick, like real, like high level. And, uh, as I was walking out the door, I got closer and I was like, Oh fuck, that's Corey Sandhagen. Right. So it was kind of cool to experience that. And I'm obviously letting you guys know that I'm biased. Like he trains for elevation fight team and I train at Easton training center, which like houses the pro team. Like I have no interaction with this guy whatsoever. He doesn't even know who I am. Right. But I'm just obviously going to be rooting for him because he's based out of the fucking gym that I train at as a jujitsu hobbyist. Right. So obviously I'm going to be biased in my selection. I'm going to put it on the table right now, but this matchup is really really awesome for a lot of different reasons so first off let's talk about the strengths of like Piotr Jan Piotr Jan is an excellent boxer the way that he strings combinations together the way that he understands footwork and positioning and timing and range and everything for how like small he is he keeps he's never out of position with anything um I don't know how great his flat out wrestling is but when guys close space against him and expose their back to him especially like you saw a lot in the Aljamain Sterling fight he's very good at just getting it to the ground quickly with a lot of trips and stuff like that right so I don't think he's the type of guy who's going to be chain wrestling up against the fence or anything like that but when you get close to him if you present him with the right angle he's not afraid to take he's not afraid to hit trips and stuff like that right to get you to the ground and when you get to the ground he is constantly controlling your legs, keeping them elevated, keeping pressure with his own hips into yours, and he he lands some serious ground and pound. Like he does some serious work there, and he's constantly working to make sure that you're out of position. 
He's aggressive. He pushes forward a lot, and he's in like the prime of his career right now. He's 28 years old. Corey Sandhagen, on the other hand, is a guy, whereas Jan is much more... It's not that Jan doesn't move. Jan will switch stances, everything like that, but he's just much more like... Can, it's not he, he, He's going to look stationary compared to Corey. Let's say that. The way that Corey... Corey uses a lot of movement, a lot of in and out stuff, a lot of sniping you, getting out of the range of things and trying to draw you into traps and kind of move around the octagon and pull you into things and like get you moving in directions that you don't want to move, right? Um, really good with his footwork. Also switches stances a lot. I think he has a little bit more versatility in terms of the kicks and stuff that he can throw. He's going to have a lot more versatility in terms of like spinning shit and wild flashy stuff that he throws. I think he has a little bit of an edge and one punch knockout power. And by punch, I mean just any strike in general. And I think that he is super athletic. The thing that makes me nervous about this fucking fight is that Sandhagen, while I think his style is more calculated and I think it's more precise than Dominic Cruz's, like Dominic Cruz uses a lot of back. I'm not saying there's not a science to it, but he loops a lot of shots out there at weird angles. Like Corey's still pretty straight down the pipe. He stays pretty sharp fundamentally, despite all the movement that he uses. Right. And there's, they just look a little bit different. Like if you had a silhouette of them, but in terms of like what they do, they both back up and dance around the octagon and kind of blitz in and strike when they feel that the timing is right, right? They, they rely on their movement, like I said, to kind of set these traps. And what makes me nervous is that Piotr Jan is such a good fucking boxer that if he just decides to sit in the pocket and throw combos when Corey comes in, it could be a real problem. And it kind of reminds me of what Cody Garbrandt did to Dominic Cruz. We're the guy who's patient and who isn't really moving around a lot, just kind of sits there and waits for the right timing. And when this guy comes in, because a lot of the times, a lot of the times when guys are explosive like that and they use a lot of in and out movement and stuff and they move a lot, they're not always super sound defensively because they're relying on their athleticism to get back out of exchanges. They have good head movement and stuff. Like Corey Sandhagen has good head movement, but I do think that there are opportunities for Jan to land when they're in the pocket when Sandhagen comes in with these strikes. So I think the key for Sandhagen to win this fight is that he's got to be a he's got to be managing distance very well. And that's going to mean using a lot of front kicks and um a lot of kicks in general. I think he's got to be throwing a lot of leg kicks at Jan, low calf kicks, things that are going to be hard for Jan to catch and land a takedown off of. He's very good at catching kicks, so you have to be careful. Um it's just I think that Corey has more variety in the striking game, but I'm worried that he could get into trouble with a guy who just sits down, and throws really crisp combinations. Um, Jan is also super aggressive. So if he decides to put the pressure on Corey and he does a good job of the thing that Jan's going to have to do a good job of against a guy like Sandhagen is he has to cut the octagon off well. And I think that Jan's ability to transition in and out of stances fluidly is going to let him cut the octagon off for, a little bit more effectively than you've seen guys do against Corey in the past. Like you saw Frankie Edgar get very mixed up in the footwork right away. Right. I think that Jan is going to be able to kind of like take those angles to cut Corey off. Right. So I think that could be a problem for Corey, but overall I think that Corey is the more gifted striker. And I think that this fight is primarily going to take place on the feet. And if Corey can do some small things like, 
Limit the number of spinning attacks that you throw against this guy. We just talked about earlier how against like Alderman Sterling, anytime Alderman exposed his back, he would just like toss him on the fucking ground real quick, right? And Corey does have a tendency to expose his back. You kind of saw it in the TJ Dillashaw fight. He does it, right? Um, an interesting thing to watch is going to be when they do go to the ground, we mentioned how good the ground and pound of Piotr Jan is. Corey Sandhagen is a big guy. And one thing that he does really effectively is, A, he hunts for submissions. He puts guys in danger a lot. But B, he wrestles with his fucking legs. A lot of the guys in the UFC that you see play guard from the bottom. And this is what got Jose Aldo into trouble. Like, he was playing more of a, like, kind of like a classic guard. You got to wrestle with your legs in the UFC if you're going to play bottom position and try to invert and shit like that. And Corey has a very firm understanding of when he's safe on the bottom, right? Like, you would see him, like, moving he's manipulating the base and everything of tj dillashaw landing some shots from the bottom i'm not saying it's a good idea to be there but i think that sandhagen will be able to stay safe more safe than jan's opponents in the past have and i think he'll be able to get back up to his feet just because of his size and everything right i think the size plays a big factor in this um again jan also i could talk about this fight all fucking day jan also fights at a very consistent pace and another thing that makes me a little bit nervous is I think that Corey throws big explosive stuff early and he's going to have to do a little bit better job with load management. I think towards the end of that TJ Dillashaw fight, um, he could have done with a little bit more volume and not taken. He took like breaks. I think at a little bit of, I don't want to say breaks. He's in a fucking fight. That sounds like so disrespectful, but like, you know what I mean? Like just little moments where he could have done a little bit more, but I mean, <laughs> That was kind of like his trial title run. Like a fight against TJ Dillashaw in a five-round main event is about as close to a title fight as you can fucking get, right? Layoff or not, TJ Dillashaw is super fucking talented. Um, so, man, it's tough. this is such a tough fight to pick. I think that Corey Sandhagen gets the win because I think that if you look at Aljamain Sterling... I know that he had like the commentators and everything like DC and Rogan were talking about the nervous energy from Sterling. It didn't matter though. He was still able to find people forget. I know Jan won the fight and that it was trending towards Jan. And that if that fight goes five rounds, Jan is most likely your bantamweight champion, right? But people kind of forget the success that Sterling was having against Jan in the striking department by keeping pressure on him, right? So I think the key for Sandhagen is going to be, he has to early on, he has to establish his range. And as he does that, I think he has to draw offense out of Piotr Jan and look to counter a little bit because I think that if he just goes in there and tries to find the, if he's hopping in like with things and he's not, he doesn't set up his range really well first and establish it and kind of draw some misses out of Jan first. I think Jan's going to kind of do what Garbrandt did to Cruz and just sit in the pocket, wait for the right timing, wait for Sandhagen to come to him and he's going to crack him with combinations to the body, to the head, and then just kind of start piling it on as the fight goes on. So I think it's very important. Very important for Corey Sandhagen to utilize his range in this fight, do so of, do so effectively, and set the tone early on. If not, man, I don't know if Jan's the guy that you want to get behind against because he's the guy who trends very well towards the end of fights. As it gets into the third, fourth, fourth and fifth round, he's going to keep on coming strong. He's going to keep on picking up momentum, and you really have to, I feel like, get him out of his groove early on in the fight. And like I said, another reason that I'm taking, and especially as a big underdog, Corey Sandhagen is like a plus 190 favorite right now. To me, those odds are crazy. I think that this matchup is so fucking close. And 
I do think that Jan deserves to be the favorite just based on everything that he's done so far. But plus 190, I I think that the, there's just too much value on Corey Sandhagen not to put money on him on this. And I think he has a, a greater than 50%. I shouldn't say greater than 50%, but whatever the implied odds are of plus 190, he has a greater chance than that to win. I can tell you that right now. Like, Corey Sanhagen is extremely gifted, extremely talented, very athletic, one of the most diverse strikers in the entire division, and he can shut your lights off like that. I mean, the fact, the, I thought the odds would be closer. Like, I understand, Jan is very good. Like, I think that Jan could, this, this is a coin flip fight to me. I think both guys could come out and both really find success against each other, but I just think Sanhagen's going to get it done. And um, obviously the fact that I'm biased, is you know I'm, <laughs> I'm i'm letting it be well known but i really do think that he's gonna win i honestly believe that he has all the tools necessary i think he's kind of in the prime of his fighting career and um i think that that experience against tj dillashaw is invaluable and he knows what it's like to go five rounds down i think he's going to make the necessary corrections i think he's going to be more selective about when to throw the wild spinning stuff and i think he's going to stay fundamentally sound for the most part and i think you know I think he's capable of picking Jan apart. It's just a matter of establishing the range and sticking to the fucking game plan. So we'll see. I'm, I'm definitely excited for this fight, though, if you guys couldn't tell. All right, moving on to the light heavyweight title bout between Jan Blahowitz and Glover Teixeira, which is going to be our main event. Um, Jan Blahowitz is an interesting case because for so long, I remember watching him and being impressed by his ability to throw combinations together very well-rounded, but I really thought about him primarily as having an advantage over guys in the grappling department, right? Um, I think people forget that a lot in the stuff that he's done recently, like knocking out Luke Rockhold, right? Knocking out Dominic Reyes, going and fighting Israel Adesanya. But really, I mean, I think that he's kind of grown into more of a striker now. But his background initially, to me, I always thought about Jan Blahowitz as a, a very talented grappler, right? He's got like seven submission wins on his record. And he's going up against a guy in Glover Teixeira who's a jiu-jitsu guy. And I think that that's probably – I haven't even watched anything on this, guys. Like, I haven't watched, like, any embeddeds, anything like that. If I had to guess, they are probably going to try to sell you on the fact that this is a striker, a guy who has massive knockout power – against a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt who's been going through and tapping all these guys, and it's absolutely true. I got to be honest, though. I can't see Glover Teixeira beating Jan Blahowicz. Like, for the reason that I just said, I think people are forgetting that Jan Blahowicz is a pretty talented grappler. Do I think he is a better jiu-jitsu practitioner than Glover Teixeira? Absolutely not. I think that if they got into a jiu-jitsu match, Glover probably wins every time. But Jan Blahowicz is a good enough grappler, grappler that he's going to be able to defend the things that Glover wants to do. And on the feet, I think it's going to be very obvious, very obvious that Jan is the better, the better of the two in that department, right? And I think that Jan's going to end up knocking Glover to share out in this fight. I don't know what round. I just kind of think it's a matter of time because you also, in so many of Glover's fights, see him get rocked in some sort of way. And then he shoots a takedown, gets in on the guy's legs and is able to complete it, get him to the ground. <laughs> Man, he's very good. His jujitsu is very good. But against a guy like Jan Blahowicz, who is very strong, very aware, 
like I said, a very good grappler, people sleeping on that. I think he's going to stave off. The, I think he's going to fend off the takedown attempts of Glover Teixeira with relative ease. And I think he's going to fuck him up on the feet. I mean, I love Glover Teixeira. I'm super happy for him that he's made it to this point in his career and that he's gotten this title shot. And maybe he'll surprise me. Maybe he catches Jan with something or maybe he lands a takedown while the dry gets to his back and chokes him out. But I really think that people are sleeping on what a talented grappler Jan Blachowicz is, especially in MMA terms. And I think that this is a tough fight for Glover Teixeira to win. Um, I'm, yeah, I, man, I can't. I'm trying to think of path of methods of success for Glover to share. And I just, there aren't a lot of avenues to victory that I can see for him. All of the ways that I see this fight going result in like Jan Blachowicz winning. It's, I don't know. Like I said, maybe his best chance would be apply some early pressure early on in the fight, take Jan down while they're dry, get on his back, maybe choke him out there or just kind of set the tone. Like, Hey, this is going to be a fucking grappling fight. And I'm, letting you know early on that I'm better than you, but I just think that even even if they get up against the cage and Glover's the aggressor, I think even if he gets Jan to the ground, Jan is going to be able to get back up without being submitted. And the danger that Glover is going to be able to provide or threaten with is going to be very temporary compared to Jan Blahoic, who is going to remain dangerous throughout all five rounds of the fight. So for that reason, I'm taking Jan Blahoic. I think that the knockout power that you're seeing recently is real. I think he's kind of like, I don't know. It's like he's realized it and he knows that he has it now and he's able to pull it off, right? Like like I said, Dominic Reyes, Luke Rockle, knocking these motherfuckers out. But I really think that, uh, I think he's going to put Glover away in this one, man. Like his striking is very, very good. But I think that how good of a grappler Jan Blachowicz is is going to pay dividends in this fight for him because I think people are going to, you know, I don't think people are really sleeping on it either. I mean, he's a favorite. I shouldn't really even be saying that, but you guys know what I mean. Like, I think that's a storyline that you'll get fed. Um, Jan will be sort of this knockout artist, but really, I think he's going to be able to fend off everything that Glover wants to do, and I think he picks up the knockout win. So I think that's going to conclude the main card, though. I'll quit repeating myself. I, I know I kind of rambled on about the same thing there in the last segment for the last fight there. But, uh, yeah, let's go through. Let's recap the picks real quick. And uh, we'll wrap this thing up. We'll get out of here. I'll let you guys go. So first, we've got Magomed Ankalaev versus Volkan Ozdemir. I just think that Ankalaev stays more technically sound, frustrates Ozdemir, or puts him in some sort of defensive shell and is able to pick up a win. Um, probably a late finish because I think Ankalaev will take his time. It'll either be a late finish or a decision victory for Ankalaev. I got Hamzat Kamaev beating Li Jingliang. The leech, uh, I just think that the wrestling is going to be the biggest difference maker. I think that Li Jingliang definitely is dangerous with his hands, has good striking, can knock you out cold with one punch, but I just think that uh, I think Hamzat comes forward, applies pressure right away, and starts getting the wrestling going. I mean, like I said, national champion in Sweden in freestyle wrestling, he's going to put that to use in the UFC, and I think that you're going to see him I think you'll see him beat up on the leech pretty bad once it gets to the ground. I'm taking Alexander Volkov over Marcin Tybora in a heavyweight bout. I just think that Alexander Volkov is going to be able to establish his range early on against a guy in Tybora who can take a little bit to get warmed up and get into a rhythm. And I think by the time he does, it'll be a little bit too late. Like I said, I think Tybora's best, his best, I can't talk, tongue tied. Best chance for success is early on in the fight if he can come in and kind of rip some punches and start getting the boxing working, threatening the takedowns early. 
If he starts letting Volkov establish his range early on, which I have a feeling he's going to do, I think it's going to be a long night for Tybora. And I think the takedowns are going to be hard for Tybora to get if you look at the uh, Blade-Volkov fight. Taking Alexander Volkov uh, via decision. I've got Islam Makachev beating Dan Hooker, but since Islam Makachev is such a big favorite, I kind of wanted to spend a lot of this talking about how Dan Hooker could win. And I think Hooker's best chance of success is going to be through, like I said, calculated pressure where he's not taking too many risks that are going to get him put on his back. So, man, I just think I, I think that's kind of inevitable, though. I think the striking and the wrestling of Islam is going to be a little bit too much. I think he's going to be able to put everything together and get a win. But Dan Hooker, man, could make things interesting and definitely could win this fight on Saturday night, Saturday afternoon, I should say, right? Um, Co-main event, interim bantamweight title bout between Corey Sanhagen and Piotr Jan. I think Corey Sanhagen gets it done. I've already admitted to you guys that I'm biased, but even if I wasn't, I really think I would be taking Corey Sanhagen in this fight. I think that when you watch him, he has potential to be one of the greatest bantamweights ever. I think both of these guys do. And they're Piotr Jan is 28 and Corey Sanhagen is 29. This is a great time for them to be meeting. They're both like riding. I know that Corey Sanhagen just lost to TJ, but I personally scored that fight for Corey. I thought it was very close. I didn't have a problem with the judges giving it to TJ. I personally thought, again, biased, but I personally thought Corey won. So this is a great matchup. And I do kind of think that the winner of this one, guys, I know Aljamain Sterling is the title holder, but just based on how things went before, I kind of think the world is going to view whoever wins this title this interim title on Saturday is the real champion. I know you got to go through the unifier and Sandhagen already lost to Jan, or I'm sorry, to Sterling, but it looked like Jan was on his way to start beating Sterling. And if he had Sandhagen likely challenges Jan for the title, right? So, I mean, fuck the way that that ended kind of put a snag in things because you have to book the rematch between Jan and Sterling now, which by the way is what they tried to do. For this coming Saturday until Sterling got injured and pulled out of the fight. I think he had to have surgery. Something happened, right? Where he had to pull out and Sanhagen steps in. So in a lot of ways, I do kind of feel like the, whoever wins this fight is going to be the people's bantamweight champion. So it's a big matchup between two guys who are in the prime of their career. In my mind, Piotr Jan, Aljamain Sterling, and Courtley Sanhagen are the top three guys, no doubt. So anytime you get to see a matchup between any of those three, it's a, it's a good night. Um, and finally, I'm taking Jan Blahowitz over Glover Teixeira. I just think that the whole narrative that Jan is going to be this knockout artist, and I think he is going to knock Glover the fuck out. But I just think that like people are going to think that if it gets to the ground, maybe like that Glover is going to have this huge advantage, and I just don't think so. I think that Jan's going to be able to defend pretty much everything that Glover wants to do on the ground, and I think that he dots him up pretty bad on the feet, and he's just got so much more power than him, and. It just kind of feels like Jan Blahowicz's time right now at 205, right? Like, man, until we fucking, in my pit, until he runs into, until either of these guys run into Yuri Prohoshka. Good fucking lot. That dude, I think that dude is the real deal. I love the angles that he cuts. I love the, the chances that he's willing to take. Um, I lo- he's also very technically sound. I mean, that dude is a fucking, I really think that that is going to be your next light heavyweight champ. So, I mean, maybe Jan Blaho is just time for now, but when Yuri Prohoshka comes into his own, look out. I shouldn't get distracted. I should probably keep it to just these two fighters, but it's hard not to get excited about a guy like Yuri Prohoshka. Um, if you've never heard of him, go watch his last two fights against Dominic Reyes and Volkan Ozdemir. Fucking incredible and a real threat at 205. 
But um, that's going to wrap this one up, guys. Um, if you haven't already, please uh, subscribe, comment, give it a thumbs up, all that fucking good shit down below. And I will catch you guys later. Thank you so much for tuning in. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, enjoy the fights on Saturday. Bye-bye.